0: All right, Well, welcome to breaking down the conversation into six easy steps presented by the U School, which is a division of Elevate Higher Ed. Thank you all again for taking the time out of your day to be here. We're going to be uh, as respectful of your time as possible. Wrap up uh, right at 1230 uh, Eastern Standard Time uh, to give you time to grab a quick lunch things and then get on about your day. So um, for those of you who are here today, uh, you will receive a copy of the Student Conversation Map, which is one of the resources that's part of our uh, Student Experience Toolkit. Uh, It really helps to uh, guide and steer your teams and understanding how to have an effective conversation with the student, which is what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, just a quick introduction of who I am I'm Dr. Jody Ashbrook, Chief Learning Officer and founder of the U School. Uh, I've spent several years in higher education, uh, over a decade really in various roles, uh, but primarily have focused my energy and my time uh, and my passion in helping colleges and universities figure out the front part of the student journey, which is that first point of contact with the student all the way to when the student transitions into class. So I'm really excited to be here with you today to share uh, one of the again, one of the foundational tools that we use in our coaching and our training and our consulting work, um, which is this framework for the student conversation. So feel free to raise your hand as you have questions as as we go along. And uh, don't hesitate to put anything in the chat if there's something that you want additional clarification on I'm happy to um, engage and and collaborate as we go but uh, just setting up the stage for today hopefully what uh, you'll take away is again a breakdown of how we like to organize the student conversation, why that's important, and then the conversation map tool which really breaks down the the way to organize and navigate that first interaction with the student, and honestly, interactions beyond that uh, for your admissions team, your advising team, when we think about how we want the student to feel after they uh, get done uh, with an interaction from from one of our team members. So uh, it's common to get lost in the initial conversation, and that's really the um, the impetus for the conversation map. Every student conversation, as we know, is going to be different. Every student's needs are different. Uh, the way that they, um, what they're going to need, what they will be be willing to share, not willing to share, uh, is going to be different from conversation to conversation. So this helps your counselors, your recruiters, your external facing. Um, strategic partnership people, if you've got people out in in the field talking with um, community colleges or corporations, this helps them think about how they're navigating that conversation and really breaking it down, again, into six easy steps. So uh, you'll see uh, that this page is, or excuse me, this document is actually 12 pages, uh, which gives you an idea that in each one of these steps, there's quite a bit of information and content that are examples of we, what each step sounds like. So when we think about um, a typical first interaction with the student, know that a lot of times students have questions that they want answered right away, parents have questions they want answered right away, or they're not talking at all, which can cause a lot of frustration for your counselors, or it can cause them to get into habits That aren't productive when we when we think about really getting to know the student and wanting to progress the student conversation forward. And so this map helps to give your counselors, recruiters, uh, folks on your team a starting point and then also a place to pick up the conversation if it gets stuck so that they know where to go and, and what to do with it. So, our first uh, bullets here, steps one and steps two, introduction and transition seem really simple and al- almost seem like, why are they even on here? It's really no big deal. We're ourselves and then transitioning into the conversation. In actuality, these two, these two steps, are critical because they are shaping the first 15, 30 seconds of that interaction. And as we all know from a human perspective, if we don't engage someone in a way that makes them feel comfortable and make they're gonna be able to meet our needs, Uh, especially in today's world, we are very likely to disengage from that conversation very quickly. So the introduction and transition are critical pieces to this puzzle, just as much as steps three and steps four, which really are the meat of the conversation. Um, Those two are critical, because if we don't go in and introduce ourselves in a way that the student can process who we are, why we're calling, and not automatically assume that we're a telemarketer within the first 30 seconds, We that engagement, we don't even know what we need to worry about the rest of the map, because we're probably not going to get there. Step 2, when we'll go into some bullets on both of these here in a second. But step 2, if we don't transition into the conversation in a way that opens up the conversation, I like to think of this as kind of casting a fishing net as wide as you can to see what you can get back, to see if you can get some fish back to then build on that conversation. If we don't do that with a transition question that allows that conversation to open up, it's going to feel, and I'm sure you've heard your counselor, your, your counselor talk about this, or if you are a counselor on the call, then maybe you felt this yourself. If you don't cast that net wide enough, you are already creating an uphill battle for yourself in the conversation. And that feels a little bit like a tennis match back and forth or one word responses. Yes, no. And then that leaves you in a place where it becomes very challenging to move into step three, which is discovery. So we're going to talk about some examples of introduction, transition, and then how that feeds into step three of the conversation. Um, so let's dive right in. This looks like a lot for step one. If you're looking at this you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to fit this into a realistic introduction that sounds and feels natural? And that's the other thing I want to point out when we think about the student conversation. The way that we work at, at the youth school is everything that we do, you're able to customize and build for your teams, your, your university, your college, Um, And all the way down to your front line. So this becomes a framework that you can use that they can use to build and make sure that it sounds like their voice, because we all know that if uh, it doesn't sound or feel like us, we won't use it. And so As you go through this map, you'll get again, you'll get a copy of it. But as you go through this map, you'll see examples here in quotes of what this might sound like. So when we think about breaking down the introduction, as I mentioned, sounds really insignificant, but it's critical to making sure that we even have a conversation to work with. So we want to think about making sure that you're clear on who you are what you're calling about what is the purpose of the conversation and then checking in to be able to move forward to transition into that conversation so that might sound something like hello student my name's jody i'm an enrollment counselor with xyz university pause that's not written into this document but i want to encourage you and i want to encourage your teams to really try that pause there before we go into the rest of what your role is and what the conversation is going to be. Here's the intent behind that pause. If you don't pause after that, think of it as just human nature. If it's too much information at once, they're not going to be able to process it. And they're quickly going to check out, which again, leaves no meaning or room or purpose for the rest of the conversation, Matt, because you're not going to get it. So pausing after you... You introduce who you are, what your title is, and where you're calling from, giving a moment for the person on the other end to process that. Now, you probably won't get much more than a, yeah, okay, all right, that's all you want. You just want that pause for them to be there with you in that conversation. The next place we're going to go is the what and the purpose of the conversation. Now, again, this looks pretty lengthy. But combining those two together might sound something as simple as, so again, student, uh, my name's Jody. As I mentioned, I'm an enrollment counselor. The purpose of our conversation today is I really want to understand your questions and guide you through the process. Be here for you as a resource as you go along your educational journey. Pause again. Let them process what your role is, why you're calling, what you're there to do. Before you state um, your role and your purpose, I forgot this little part, you might want to, after that initial pause, uh, hello, student, my name's Jody, I'm an enrollment counselor here at XYZ University, pause. I'm following up on your request for information about our MBA program, insert whatever program is there. Another pause, right? So you're stating why you're calling, don't make the assumption that they remember, that they know, Keep in mind that if they've requested information from you, they've probably requested, the industry average is usually three to four schools. So they're getting communication and outreach and information from at least three to four other schools, just the same as they're getting information from you. So don't make the assumption that they're going to put two and two together about the request, go ahead and state it very early on. Hello student, my name's Jody. I'm I'm an enrollment counselor here at XYZ University pause. I'm following up on your request for information about our MBA program. Pause again. Okay. Let them connect to who you are, why you're calling. And they may say something like, oh yeah, I did that last week. Or um, yeah. Okay. So again, you're just wanting them to stay with you up here before you progress into the conversation. Then you go into my role is to answer your questions and guide you through the process. Pause again. So you want to come up with language again that feels comfortable for you that feels natural for you to really set that tone early on in this first 30 seconds. again so that they stay on the phone with us, they don't check out, they don't assume you're some sort of telemarketer. We need to be clear with those pauses to um, keep them engaged with us. So, leaving off from where we started uh, on that introduction, uh, my role is to answer your questions and guide you through the process. Does that sound good? Yep. Now we are into step two, transitioning into the conversation. So when you take a look at this document, what you'll see are a couple of examples here. You're not gonna use all four, you need one transition question. And for me, I'll tell you from experience, what I found works really well is after you leave off up here, so my role is to guide you through the process, answer your questions and guide you through the process. How does that sound? Great. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about why school and why now? This is that transition into the conversation, That's step two from those six steps that we looked at earlier. This is that cast the net question. You want this to be as broad and as wide as as it can be, because if you don't, if you open with, how did you hear about us? What questions do you have? What can I do for you? The student probably isn't going to give you much back. And if they do, it's gonna be really small, which means the length of your conversation is probably gonna end in total, be about three to four minutes, and it's gonna end with you saying, hey, how about I send you an email? So if you don't open up with a question that's gonna help you be able to do some discovery, which is where we go into step three, that's where you get those one word answers, that uphill battle, tennis match, kind of feeling in that conversation. So your transition question is just as critical as that intro. And I know you've probably heard me say this now three or four times, but I I wanna make sure you take the message away If you don't get step one and step two right, we don't need to worry about three, four, five, and six because it's not even gonna happen. The one thing I I do wanna point out too is that everything that we're talking about with the conversation map does uh, and can be used over the phone, via email, and via text. So all of these practices have proven to be successful no matter what channel of communication you're using which is really helpful in today's world where it can be really difficult to get somebody on the phone. So I wanna point that out as we're going along. This is not just for a phone engagement. This is for text, email, and phone, any, or chat, really. Any, you know, all the principles that we're talking about um, with the conversation map can be applied through those channels. So we have our introduction, we transition in with a, we cast that net to be able to get some fish back, right? that takes us into discovery. When you look at this, you will see several examples of discovery type questions that are broken up into the what, why, and when and how. And that's kind of what you how you wanna think about the concept of discovery. So we're not gonna go through all these questions because in fact, you really only need three to five, what I call core discovery questions that you're gonna to use to help you get to know the student which is the intent of the of discovery who is the student and what is their story i'm not talking about going 20 label 20 levels deep on the student's motivation of why they want to go to school what we talk about often in our one-on-one coaching at the youth school is you can understand and sell the dream and talk about all that as much as you want but the reality is if you haven't understood the student's story what they need, and how to remove their obstacles and truly provide solutions to getting them to move forward, you can, you can dream and, and paint the picture of them walking through to graduation as much as you want. It's not going to matter because you're not doing your due diligence of understanding them, helping to meet their need, and moving the obstacles out of their way. You can't move obstacles out of the way if you don't understand who they are first, which is the intent behind discovery. So why school? Why now? Cast that net wide. Grab some fish back from the net and begin to build on understanding who that student is and and what they need. Some examples of core discovery questions. So again, three to five core questions that no matter what, with every student, you're going to ask those core questions. That can be questions like, tell me about your previous educational background. You need that, right? You need that information to truly understand who they are and how to be able to help them move forward. Um, How long have you been thinking about this decision? What's been holding you back? Those are types of core questions that will help you to gather meaningful information. They're also open questions that are going to get you information back rather than, have you been to school before? That's a yes or no question you're going to get a yes or no back. And then you're going to have to ask another question. That's where we start that uphill battle. So be mindful of the the types of questions that you're asking with your core discovery. um, Because otherwise, you might have a great transition question, but you get into that. And again, it's this tennis match uphill battle conversation that's not really going to get you what you need. So Understanding their why, understanding their background, how long they've been thinking about it, what's been holding them back. Add in a few other core discovery questions that are important to you or that you like or that you've used before. I wouldn't necessarily go over five. Quite honestly, you don't need a whole lot more than that. The intent is to understand who they are, what's their story from a meaningful place so that you can go in and then move obstacles out of their way and meet their needs, which is step four. Okay, so you can see discovery is pretty lengthy here. Um, Focus on what you need and then be able to move into transition into step four, which is really understanding those obstacles, overcoming those obstacles and providing solutions. So, what I would recommend um, with the transition into step four is something along the lines of this transition question right here. What concerns do you have about starting school? Now, we probably need to update this map a little bit, but the danger in just asking that, if any of you've tried this, is a lot of times you might get back a response like, huh, I don't really have any, or I'm okay. Any time that you get that, that's probably should be a red flag, because what that is really indicating is the student hasn't thought enough about this to know what concerns that they have. And they're really relying on you as their guide and the expert to help them think about what they should be um asking questions about. So what i like to recommend a lot of times with this, uh, again, transitioning from discovery into overcoming obstacles, is a question that sounds a little bit like, a lot of times students have concerns around how they're gonna pay for school, their transfer credits or starting school. What questions do you have or what concerns do you have that we can focus on for you here? That's going to take you into a really targeted concerns conversation where counselors tend to get stuck here is they don't bring this stuff up. So burying it under the rug, pretending like it doesn't exist, isn't going to have that student commit or feel like they've really been taken care of. That's our job as counselors, as leaders, as, you know, um. Uh, leaders of the enrollment of our institutions. We need to be understanding and overcoming those concerns, which can typically fit into one of these four buckets. Any concern a student has, which is usually one or two key concerns, is going to fit into one of these four buckets, time, money, value, and ability. So your counselor's job is to understand what buckets, what are the concerns, and how do I need to overcome them? which will then help them be very intentional about the information they're providing about your institution, rather than info dumping a bunch of information about the program, how it works, what it looks like, features and benefits to try to sell or build value for the student. That approach is not sustainable. It doesn't work. It's not super effective. Customize that conversation to the student that you're talking to and what their needs are so that you can really overcome their individualized concerns. And the way to do that is with that transition question that we just talked about. A lot of times students have concerns about X, Y, and Z. Time, money, how they're going to pay for school, uh, the type of program. Student, what are your concerns that we can focus on for you? Now we're into step four in a very intentional and customized way and truly focusing on meeting that student's need and then able to pull in the information that the counselor has about, again, features and benefits, support resources, whatever it is about the program, the institution, plug that in in a meaningful way. I call it the matching game, right? If you can flip the card up over here, understand what it is and match it with A resource or a tool that is a much more customized conversation that feels like it's specific to the student rather than let me tell you anything and everything you wanted to know about XYZ University. We're all human. We can only sit in that seat for so long before we check out. So that's step four. So we move through concerns. We identify concerns. There's a lot of information examples here on this resource that you can look at once we send it over to you. When we're thinking about getting into step five, that is the typical closing part of the conversation. That's the next step. And I, from my experience and in, in the one-on-one coaching and consulting that we do with teams, what we find is this either isn't happening, it's happening in a pre-assumptive kind of way that the student's not bought into, or um, it's happening in an aggressive overly assertive kind of way that also doesn't work for the student so really getting your teams comfortable with how they're closing is a critical part of the process you can have a great step one through four and if we're not setting next steps that's where you'll see that your funnel starts to fall apart this is where the breakdown happens this is where you spend a lot of money on uh, generating leads but nothing ever really happens this is a key part of your process too so Um, Once you get through those concerns and you get to that point in the conversation and and if you're if you're a counselor or recruiter or you've been or you're a leader and you listen to some of these calls with your teams, everybody knows where that point is in the conversation that I'm talking about the student feels it you feel it, we all know okay we're at that point in the conversation so once you move through steps one through four and you feel like okay i think i've covered everything they want to know it feels like it's closing time rather than air to the most comfortable way which i hear most counselors doing which is i'll send you an email and follow up that doesn't work it's not effective you end up chasing the student and we're probably not going to re-engage with them or get them back on the phone um Try the approach of doing a more collaborative close, which is understanding where the student's at in their own thought process, and then setting next steps with them in a two-way type of conversation. So that might sound something like, student, we've talked about a lot today. Just to let you know, the next step would be to do the application, but I'm not sure if that's where you're at. How are you feeling about taking that next step? The other way to approach it is, we haven't talked about start dates or when you when you thought about starting class, when were you thinking about starting class? We'll get into step five and the whole closing conversation in a future webinar, because it's it really is its own step and how to do it can. Um, it, it, again, it's an area where a lot of people get stuck, but you really need that start date to then be able to help the student truly build a plan. And I'm not, I'm not talking about imposing deadlines on them. I'm talking about collaboratively bringing them into the process. So for example, if the student says, yes, I'd like to apply for X start date. The next place you go isn't, I need you to get me this application within the next 40, 48 hours. It's okay, that's great. So we agree that you want to start on March 5th. The next step is to do the application. When is it realistic for you to get the application completed and sent back to me? Ask the question of the student, have the student tell you when it's realistic for them to get that done, rather than imposing deadlines that they may tell you yes to, but they're not gonna follow through. And now they're definitely not gonna answer the phone in the future because they've told you something that they knew they weren't gonna do to begin with. Probably because we didn't meet a need or overcome a concern or obstacle in that step four. So. Think about your step five or your closing strategy truly as a way to build a plan, setting dates and deadlines for next steps, which from what we see in working with our clients um, rarely ever happens either. We're not setting follow-up dates and deadlines, one, in a collaborative way or two, at all, which causes that chasing process. So again, keep an eye out for future webinars just on the step five part of the process, because we'll break this down into much more detail. And as you know, it is a critical part of the process. If we don't do steps one through five, we really can't do step six, which is summarizing and closing the call. I I like to think of it as like putting the bow on the present, bringing everything full circle. So it is truly one of the smallest steps in the map, but, if you can't summarize and close the call with detailed information and you find yourself saying things like, I'm going to send you an email and um, you know I'll follow up with you in a couple of weeks, that's an indicator that you haven't done your due diligence with really setting a specific plan in step five. So uh, think about um, how you currently close the call and what does that tell you about the quality of the rest of the conversation. We are gonna be wrapping up. We are at our time today. So what, here's what I wanna leave you with. You'll get a copy of the conversation map sent to your email. We are going to be doing webinars twice a month. We'll also have some webinars where you can bring your team on um, and get coached live on, on the call. So keep an eye out for that. It's a, a easy way to add some training into your day um, and to bring your team in for some tips that may help them in real time. Uh, we do have, if you go to the which you'll see here in the bottom of the screen, you can uh, find more information on our DIY, uh, DIY toolkits. Uh, those are, all, they come with two um, free uh, consulting live coaching calls to help you integrate the materials into your uh, environment uh, your institution, your team. Uh, so we don't just leave you hanging there, but it's a great way, super cost-effective way for you to make the material yours and also make it um, work for your budget. So there are three toolkits right now up on the site. Student experience, which is all about the enrollment Uh, front-end part of the process, student retention and support. How do you keep the students once you enroll them? And then a complete toolkit uh, with with all of that information together. Uh, And then also a leadership development toolkit. How do you help your leaders develop so that everything that you want to have happen on the front line is actually happening? How do you continue that leadership development um, for your teams, teach Teach your leaders how to listen to calls, what to listen for, how to analyze data and use data in a responsible way. So uh, there's a toolkit for that. And then coming soon, if you're working on your external partnership strategy, we have a whole toolkit uh, that will help you do that uh, from A to Z with six training modules uh, in there for your external team. So um, that is on our our site. Again, those are called toolkits, one-time fee for the documents. And then your uh, two free live coaching sessions to help you with that. There's also an option for customized one-on-one coaching and consulting. So uh, just shoot us an, an email to learn more about that. But thank you all for being here today. Again, this was breaking down the conversation into six easy steps. You'll get a copy of the conversation map. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon uh, in our February uh, webinar. So keep an eye out for that on our website as well as LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, take care. Have a wonderful week.